Welcome listeners and Reality Sports Online GMs. Tonight, we have another first coming at you. Our first interaction with a fan listener, Tim Aylesworth, coming to us from our friendly neighbors to the north in Canada. Goody, welcome back to the program tonight. We have a lot of action going on as we continue to gear up for the start of the fantasy football season in earnest. Of course, there's no off-season for Reality Sports Online. And tonight, we get to talk to Tim about what it's like to be in the fan listener podcast listener league and to do a startup on reality sports online with a bunch of people that know what they're doing <laughs> um i'm kind of laugh at the people knowing what they're doing but um especially a 16 team but we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that um you know we, we we it'll soon go live what we talked to matt and steven last night that was a lot of fun i'm excited to talk to tim i, I think tim and i have, have known each other on twitter for a few years now um, kind of one of the first people when I started writing, I think, to, to reach out. And, and I, I appreciate that. And it's awesome that we have them in the league. I, I want to talk about your experience in that auction. I mean, it was, it was kind of crazy in the, in the fact that we had 16 teams. Luke and I were doing commentary. You had Bernard kind of doing some color, too. And, and we were bidding. Everything was going kind of in fast pace. Chat room going as well. What were your initial thoughts about that auction, the format with the 16-team Superflex, the shallow benches, the no-rookie contracts, and, and your experience, at least on that auction night? Well, uh, first off, thank you for putting together the RSO Listener League. I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Um, you guys are definitely at a disadvantage doing the podcast broadcasting during the draft, during the auction. And uh, I enjoyed listening to you, actually. I, I feel like the feedback that you guys were giving was actually helping those of us who were listening while we were bidding. 16-team Superflex, uh, I was excited about it. I was, you know, I expected it to be a real challenge. I've never done a 16-team league, period, let alone a Superflex. And uh, my 12-team Superflex experience has uh, already convinced me that quarterbacks are king in Superflex leagues. So a 16-team league, I knew they were going to be hard to get. Uh, I think there was a little sticker shock early. We saw some quarterbacks go off the board a little early, and I think people who maybe haven't done Superflex or maybe haven't done a ton of RSO leagues didn't maybe expect that. Um, I had no problem with some of the rates that the quarterbacks were going for early. Uh, I know that for me, Anytime that anytime that you add teams, my home league is a 14-team RSO league. It's not super flex. But even just the fact that you've added two teams instead of a 12-team league, it drives up the prices of those superstars. Those genuine starters, those studs go up in value because there's more teams that have to fight, fight over them. So I knew in a 16-team league it was going to be a vicious fight, uh, especially for quarterbacks with it being super flex. And I, I frankly think that some people were not prepared. Uh, just when I look at some of the teams and how they ended up, but a lot of fun and a real challenge. Yeah, Tim, the first thing that I would point out to listeners about your team and, and the reality sports um, GMs that are listening to this, we're going to do our best to put out there both feedback from all the people that participated in that league, and we'll give you updates as this goes along and this unfolds just to give people a sense of what happened. But in that 16-team super flex, just <laughs> by math, like by the virtue of the math, that you would hope that at best, everybody in the league would only have two starting NFL quarterbacks with the 32 teams in the NFL. You managed to secure uh, Carson Wentz for nearly $30 million per year, uh, arguably one of the steals of the draft, Dak Prescott for half that at um, $15 million per year, and then Case Keenum coming in uh, for $17 million per year. 
now you you've suffered some other misfortune that we'll talk about later but given that you're in the kind of driver's seat and there's some teams that don't have even two legitimate nfl starters what kind of trade value do you anticipate for those guys and what kind of um trade demands are you going to be able to make now that you have like i said you have uh, a relative treasure that most teams don't have luke i know you're asking me this because you guys need a quarterback so don't think i'm not onto your slippery ways <laughs> yes uh, speaking but, of one of those pathetic teams that don't have two <laughs> legitimate nfl starters uh matt and i enjoyed the sound of our own voices a little too much to actually bid on people like case Keenum, but you know there you go so um, no, it, it actually, it, what's funny is I went into the uh, auction with a plan. You know, I always like to go in with some sort of idea, at least, of how I think the auction is going to go and where I'm going to have to spend money. My plan going into the auction was to get two quarterbacks and then a developmental quarterback. So I, I got Carson Wentz. I paid almost $30 million per season. And then I got uh, Case Keenum at you know, $17 million per season. And my plan after that was actually just to grab one of the rookies or a developmental guy. That was my plan. And then when Dak Prescott came up, I just fifteen million per season for Dak Prescott. I, I there's twenty two other quarterbacks in our league that went for more money than that per season. I just think that's ridiculous. Dak Prescott was a total value. Um, in terms of uh, what I would expect to get from one of my quarterbacks, uh, right now apparently uh, it's going to have to be. Uh, something that involves a running back. So, right, that's sort of the, the status that I put myself in. I did go to the auction uh, with the plan of getting uh, some more high-quality running backs than I ended up with. But um, that's just, you know, you adapt as the auction's happening, and, and you always have to be fluid in these situations. And uh, I ended up with uh, a better quarterback situation than I had planned for and maybe not quite the running back situation that I planned for. And then, of course, since then, there's been some injuries. But... Um, I would expect, I would be looking now for at least uh, some sort of running back depth. And then because I believe in a super flex league, I always covet quarterbacks. I would like to, if I could, get some sort of a developmental quarterback or a really low end quarterback as well. So if I could somehow finagle that deal, that's what I'd like to do. Uh, that's certainly well said. And, and Goody, you can chime in on this too. I always try to quantify in my mind in a Superflex. So we're in the Writers League with the Superflex as well. I think Tim speaks well to having that plan and and building that out. It was certainly easier for those of us in the Writers League to do because there's only 10 teams. In this league, I try to think about the kind of player I would want for, say, Drew Brees, who we have um, in the $20 million range per season as well. And I, and I realized it would really take a significant player, um, either a top, I would say at least a, a pretty guaranteed wide receiver one slash two type or running back one slash two type to move the needle for me and make me consider moving a, uh, a quarterback of that stature. And so I think Tim speaks well to that. What do you, what about you, Goody? Like, what do you, in our league, now that we're 16 teams deep, has it changed your perspective on the quarterbacks in the super flex realm? Let me get to that in a minute. I, I'm just I'm looking at Tim's team, and and in spite of the injury to Darius Geis, which you know we'll get to, um, and that's very unfortunate. Like I, I think I think he's underestimating how much talent he has on his team. I mean, I, I love Mark. He's got Mark Ingram on on his bench at ten million dollars. I mean, I, I love that. I mean, he's got him on I think a two year deal. Looks like I really like that contract. I mean, he's got he was able to pick up Rob Kelly. I mean, he. Granted, it's not you know the equivalent of of Geist, but he has he has the cap space from putting him on the IR, 
So with three quarterbacks, the, the, the running backs I just mentioned, and of course, like the, the four-game suspension for Ingram may make the first couple of weeks a little tougher from a depth perspective or anything else. But then looking at, I mean, we start three wide receivers in this league, and 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 I think that, you know, Tim, I think you did a great job of, I mean, I think I talked about this with Ryan Benini, like grabbing an elite wide receiver, Julio Jones, a volume wide receiver, PPR type, Jarvis Landry, and then a guy who can, you know, a third receiver who can take the lid off the defense, Will Fuller. So, like, you know, if I was grading that, I mean, that that that's – and then you have Giovanni Bernard as a flex type on, you know, a one-year kind of deal. I, I mean, John Brown can take the lid off the defense. I mean, I know he's a little more polarizing based on, you know, some of the injuries he's had recently. But as far as 16-team leagues go, it, 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 it looks pretty strong even in spite of the injury. So, I, I mean, I'm, first off, kudos on that. Then to your question again, Luke, you asked me one more time. <laughs> Sorry. At a moment of memory lapse, which doesn't happen. Well, well I know it was, it, was, it was hard to think over your slobbering over Tim's team there a little bit. Like, <laughs> you know, that's no, no, no seriously, seriously, no. the question was about so how the I, question comes in, in how you view the quarterbacks in the 16 team league. In other words, there, there's such high leverage in terms of trade, it's going to be awesome once the trades kick up. And we certainly like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of depth to Tim's team. In fact, I, I tend to agree with your assessment of it. The only thing that I would push back on is Will Fuller, Tim's relative genius in securing those quarterbacks. Spend uh, a decent amount of money on Fuller. Is, but yeah. Is, yeah, next to Will Fuller, who's fetching $11 million per year. I don't know of any league, but I've seen Will Fuller go for that uh, to that expensive. So we'll, 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 we'll question as to why that was the case for sure and, and when that happened in the draft. You have more sense of that, Tim. But yeah, like... Let's all let's let's go around the horn here. I want to hear from you, Tim, uh, a little bit more. In but certainly good to hear from you. Like, what kind of leverage do you think these quarterbacks are going to get him? I think he's going to get something good. Like, and and well, that's to our own disadvantage since we're one of the trade partners. Right? So. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I I understand that, but I I think one thing that as co-owners um, that we've talked about, and and we did the co-owner thing really so we could do the podcast around it. You know, typically we would have our own teams, but we wanted to give another team a chance in the league and, you know, and to kind of make this happen for us to be able to do commentary and stuff. And, you know, Bernard helped so that we could kind of bid. And we wanted, kind of wanted to capture the excitement inside someone's head about, you know, what it's like to go after players and, like, talk about that live and all that. So I, I think that in terms of quarterbacks, what they fetch – I think because I created the scoring system and I, and it mimics a little bit of one of the leagues I'm in that I, I may know that a little better than some of these guys, like when the, you know, when week one starts. So, you know, I'm kind of balancing right now the value of quarterbacks who produce, who will produce in the system, guys who, guys who are accurate, guys who throw for 300 yards, you know, get, get those bonuses, t- guys who are, are good in the red zone you know, like that versus just your run-of-the-mill guy that you could be better off starting a receiver instead of. So th- I think that that quantity is undefined in this league right now. And so a guy like he's Case Keenum, if he produces like last year's Case Keenum, you know, sure, that's extremely valuable in this league. If, if, he, does, if he produces like journeyman Case Keenum, he's, he's not necessarily – I think you one could justify – actually starting a position player potentially, especially with 
like the yardage component, the PPR, the first downs, like those types of things. So I, I think that when Luke and I were kind of, you know, we weren't necessarily panicking about quarterbacks. Like we kind of targeted Matt Ryan as our QB too, and he fetched like an insane amount of money, like $30 million a year, I think. And then we, we saw like that Joe Flacco and Josh McCown were kind of hidden, and we, we kind of figured maybe we could let them fall through and, hey, we have a starter. So I, I, I do think we will need to get a quarterback, especially if Nathan Peterman does not become the starter for the Bills or our Debbie-type quarterback, Nick Foles, doesn't, you know, who we kind of were viewing as a cheaper punt guy for next year. And, yes, relying on Nathan Peterman is, is in and of itself insane, like after the worst performance in NFL history other than, like, maybe Ryan Leaf last year against the Chargers. But so, I, you know – I, I'm not quick to, you know, while I, in theory I'd like to make a trade and get a quarterback, I, I kind of want to see how this plays out a little bit just to see how much of the panic button, you know, whether I should, you know, we should be like, you know, sell, 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 you know, buy, buy, buy a quarterback. Sam, what about you? Well, it's actually, it's great that you uh, mentioned the scoring system there because that is one of the things that uh, I've never played with a scoring system quite like this. So I am very intrigued to see if I have uh, read it right. The scoring system is unique. I'm very excited to see how that uh, works out. Um, if, if I'm, in my experience has been in Superflexes in general that uh, quarterbacks, as long as they are starting every single week and producing points, they are worth a, a small fortune. But uh, in, the, you know, in this league with the scoring, I will be really intrigued to see if that holds up. My expectation is that it will. So speaking of the small fortune, uh, it's a relative nit that we're picking on your roster. Again, the only the only question I have for you, because I, I do think your roster is very laudable, as, as Goody was pointing out. So when I look down and I see Will Fuller starting at $11 million per year, talk to me about what your rationale was at that point in the draft and why that kind of money was being dropped on Will Fuller. And what and, and is it just a player you believe in and that's when you were going all in on? Or what, what was coming to your mind at that point, Tim? Uh, Luke, I would say it was a combination of a couple of things. One thing you said, what was my rationale? I'm a Texans fan, so I'm not sure rationale is a word that should be used with it. So I am a uh, Texans fan. Um, having said that, I am not someone who thinks that uh, Will Fuller is going to be a wide receiver one. I think his numbers... Um, have to show regression this year. There's going to be touchdown regression for Will Fuller. You cannot score a touchdown every, whatever it was, three or four catches like he did last year. But uh, I I do believe that if he stays healthy, which, okay, very small chance that he stays healthy for 16 games. But if I can get 13 games out of Will Fuller, I think there's a possibility he finishes as a high-end wide receiver three which uh, is why I was prepared to take him there. Also, in a league this big, uh, it goes back, to I think, to something that, uh, that Matt said earlier. Um, I, I think I got a steal with Julio Jones. Uh, when I look at what the other top wide receivers were going for, right around $37 million per year, and I get Julio Jones for 28 on only a three-year contract. So a lot of the other top contracts were spreading out their bonuses over four years. I got Julio Jones for only three, which is great for me with his age. So I got Julio Jones, who I consider to be a top five wide receiver. Then I got Jarvis Landry, as we discussed, a great you know PPR, going to rack up the points guy. I love having that guy, as, uh, as Matt explained earlier, who 
you know, just every once in a while as a wide receiver three is going to have a two touchdown game. You know, even if he only has, you know, three of those in the season, if he can get me those touchdowns when I need them, he's absolutely worth the 11 mil. And there might've been a little bit of panic. And I, I, some of the prices were getting up a little high. That was still fairly early on in the auction. And uh, there was a lot of money flying around. I think, I think I, I felt like daddy, daddy Warbuck still at that point. So I was still feeling good about my, my wallet. No, yeah. Listen, you, you say it well. There's a lot to be said I, about that. I have to to give you a little love because Will Fuller is coming out of the the Golden Domers, and I have some Notre Dame love for him, so I can appreciate the irrational drivers that drive us towards certain players too. Um, speaking of irrational, like fear and loathing, like I am on the other side of our team. Like Goodwin's been trying to talk me off a ledge since we since we drafted, and when he says things like we hope that Peterman will start week one. Like, I don't know who the we is in that particular analysis. Really, like, does anybody really hope that Peterman's starting anywhere at any point, like any football fan? But Calvin um, Benjamin does. Yes, yes, Calvin Benjamin does. So Peterman, like, ran with the threes today at Bill's practice. And I realize this is the disturbing part of our reality sports online love. The fact that I know in my adult life that Nathan Peterman was practicing with the third string Bill's offense is, like, a little upsetting to everybody here, I think. So, um, having said that, uh, we're, we're pretty deep in, guys. Like, we, we, we all have our rosters. We're already making moves. Um, Tim, we've already alluded to the fact that you picked up Rob Kelly. Unfortunately, the circumstances that drove you to uh, Fat Rob are not the best circumstances because you invested heavily in – uh, Darius Geis in our draft. We're going to take some time to talk about Geis for Reality Sports Online GMs at now. And you also picked up Josh Adams, which I love a little bit, like another Notre Dame guy coming out of there. Uh, sneaky pickup there. So let's talk about this a little bit. You went heavy on Darius Geis. Now that he's injured and on your IR, let's talk in general for Reality Sports uh, GMs right now. Do you think he's still the 1.02 in rookie drafts? No. I would say no, only because um, as great as he did look in those handful of carries that he got before he uh, tore his ACL, um, we had some other really impressive rookie running back performances. And so at this point, as much as uh, uh, torn ACLs are the new sprained ankles, um, I do feel that you're still sacrificing a full year of uh, production and especially in RSO leagues, where as much as we can say, um, you know, depending on how the settings are in an RSO league, you may have your rookies for three years or four years. I think the majority of leagues are four. But um, you can, uh, you know, you're only going to have them for a short time. It's not like your typical dynasty league where you take Darius guys, you pick him, and you've got him for the next 10 years. Uh, uh, rookie uh, running backs in general have short career spans. And then on top of that, the fact that you've got a finite contract in RSO leagues, I would not feel comfortable taking him at the uh, 102 right now, especially after the uh, you know show that uh, Royce Freeman put on or Carryon Johnson put on. Uh, I just think there's been a lot of other impressive rookie performances so far. Fair enough. And so do you think, is Freeman the name that you're going to pull out of the hat at 102 at this point? Ah. Uh. I, I am, because I don't know how many leagues you guys are in. I'm in, in general, uh, about eight to nine leagues per season. Uh, most of my leagues are continuous, um, but uh, I usually throw in one or two uh, redraft leagues per year. And uh, this year, it is one of those years where I loved the rookie crop of running backs so much that uh, I've been diversifying. 
So I've got uh, a Sony Michelle share. I've got a Saquon Barkley share. Uh, I've got a couple of Carry On Johnson shares. I just recently picked up my first uh, Royce Freeman share. So it's actually funny. That's how I ended up with Darius Geis in uh, the RSO Listener League. It was a combination of two things. I didn't have Darius Geis share anywhere, and uh, I, I wanted one. So that was part of it. And then the other part was that at the time, um, I just for whatever reason failed to pull the trigger on running backs. I was always, you know, in the final three to bid, but I was always dropping out. I just couldn't pull the trigger on one. And so when I looked at my roster, I didn't have a running back that I thought had a capability of finishing as an RB1. And then uh, when I looked, uh, when I was looking at my spreadsheets as the auction was going on, I said, okay, there's only one guy left on my board that I see as having a realistic chance of finishing as an RB1. One guy left on the board, and that was Darius Geis. So I guess I, I did feel that strongly about him, that I saw at least you know a reasonable opportunity for him to do that. And that's why I, I decided I, I needed to just spend whatever it took at that point because I wanted to have an RB1 on my roster, and that's why I did it. Sounds good. And Goody, as you, come for, as you see it, does Tim have the depth to recover from the loss of that RB1? And is Rob Kelly the guy that's going to take him like forward in that? Uh, I think potentially with you know once Mark Ingram gets back, I I know there's the Alvin Kamara love, um, <clears throat> but I, I think that Mark Ingram will be fantasy viable when he comes back. I think that Scott Rob Kelly, Kenyon Drake was one of the best running backs down the stretch last year. You know you have to look probably only behind maybe a handful of guys like you know, Gurley and, and Kareem Hunt down the stretch of the playoffs and, you know, Kamara and maybe like, you know, one or one or two others, honestly. So that there, there's, there's upside there. Um, so, you know, I, I think in a big league like this, that there's potential for that. I mean, where, I mean, I appreciate Tim giving some context on why he spent so much money on a rookie running back in a startup. I mean, granted, it was before any preseason action came in. I, I just, like, I, I mean, I feel like Tim gave a stab. I, I mean, I'd have to look back at some of the running backs, but I don't think Tim – and not that Christian McCaffrey has a huge sample size, but I think we paid four years, 120 for him, and Tim paid four years, 100 for guys. So, like, I, I mean, I like to see these guys hit the field and see what they're about. I, I didn't necessarily have pause about – the Chris Thompson thing. So I just like, I mean, some other guys, I mean, I think, you know, I'd have to look, but I think Nick Chubb went for tens of millions of dollars. I think Sony Michelle did in this league as well. So, you know, absent the rookie draft, I, I kind of feel like, you know, I, if I'm spending that much money on someone, unless it's Saquon Barkley, who seems like, you know, the next big thing, a, a fairly sure thing. Like I, I, I'm letting others, you know, take the, take the risk on the rookie. I think, you know, I, I mean, if Tim would have paid half that for, for you know, for Geis or $15 million even at that point, like, you know, I, I mean, and I still think Geis is going to be a, a pretty solid player in the NFL. So, you know, I like, you know, the bat, tough breaks happen. So I, I just – that that was the curious thing to me, of course, you know, unfortunate. Yes, I do, I do think he can recover with the stable backs he has. Awesome. So, guys, let's let's kick it over to the reality side of things a little bit. Some news out of camps today. We have like a potential McKinnon injury that the the Niners immediately speak with their wallet, and Shanahan goes out and gets a back that he has great familiarity with. He goes picks up Alfred Morris. So, Goody, I'll turn it right back over to you and start with you there. Um, 
are you in love with the Morris pickup? And given the injuries to McKinnon and Matt Breda, like, are we now looking at a potential hot waiver wire commodity in the days to come? I mean, certainly in a league as deep as, deep as the one we're in, yes. I, I think, you know, anyone who, who is, you know, economically viable is basically an option option there. It's like pizza, like everyone's good, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, but in terms of, like, carving out a role, I, you know, I, I don't really know. I mean, I, I'm more hesitant to, like, anoint McKinnon as, you know, this bell cow because I just don't know that he has he has the durability to do it like you know and that's not even talk about this injury it's like going back to Minnesota and and everything of that nature I mean I the guy who I think has the most value of of those three is Matt Breda you know without question and maybe you know Joe Williams may even be a guy who can work his way back into the mix. I mean, I think some of these guys, he has the advantage of being in training camp at least for a couple weeks so, over Morris. But, you know, Mor- Morris Morris belongs on the NFL roster, no doubt. What do you think, Luke? Uh, actually, I, I'm interested to hear, because I, I love that you raised the, the specter of Joe Williams rising from the, the ashes of whatever it was that, that took him away from football in his University of Utah career, and then – there was some ambiguity there and then like whatever happened that that kind of injury that was a phantom injury that was never disclosed um in a substantial way by the 49ers organization so now we do have joe williams who has both the size speed and workload in college to like distinguish himself as a three down back and alfred morris who's done it at the nfl level tim if i told you you could only pick one of those guys to place your your lottery ticket on for the upcoming season which one would you go with Oh, that is a brutal question. Um, I guess I'm going to go Joe Williams. I'm going to believe the story, the uh, the fairy tale that was written last year. Um, gonna be t- it's tough to have faith in anybody right there, right now. I do think that you know McKinnon will come back and play. I do think he's going to have little injuries every third or fourth game. I just think that just seems to be his lot in the league. Um, and I actually, I was, as a McKinnon owner in several leagues, I was terrified of Matt Breida. I was really starting to get nervous about Matt Breida. Now, obviously, this shoulder injury uh, might uh, keep him out for a fair while. So uh, I, if I had to bet right now, I guess I'm going Joe Williams. It also, though, would not surprise me um, because Shanahan has done it with Alfred Morris before. If the season starts and they go with the veteran because they trust him and he knows the system and he's great in uh, in that zone system that Shanahan runs. And it would not surprise me at all if he started the season as the starter. Awesome. So we've gotten away from a little bit uh, in, the, in the past few episodes because we've gotten great and really brilliant guests on the reality side of things. So let's dig a little bit deeper now that the fantasy season is inching closer. Uh, for, for my end, a player that I see myself getting across all formats as often as I can is Melvin Gordon. I realize that I've fallen pretty deeply in love with the Chargers prospects for the year in talking to Evan Silva and Ross Tucker the other day on the Fantasy Feast pro- podcast. I was affirmed in that by Silva's analysis of like the, the strength of schedule that the Chargers have coming up. So like, name a Charger, and, I, and I'm at least intrigued by them at this point. And that's not typical of me. I don't have any particular affiliation with the Chargers team and or players. So, Tim, 
other than the Texans, is there a team and or subset of players on that team that you're particularly intrigued by headed into this fantasy season as an RSO GM? Oh, um, it's it's actually funny that you mentioned the Chargers. I, I recently, in one of my leagues, traded away uh, Alvin Kamara for uh, uh, Gordon and uh, an, another package of picks and players and that sort of thing. So I am very high on the Chargers this year. I am happy to get Phillip Rivers anywhere I can. He's always so cheap in every league. He's the quarterback you can get for next to nothing. And... Uh, uh, you know, Keenan Allen. I think Keenan Allen is going to have a fantastic year. I just think there's so many good targets on that team right now. Um, obviously, we're, we need Mike Williams to prove that he's a good target, but I was very high on him coming out of university. I just think Philip Rivers is going to have a great season. Um, uh, I guess the only thing that could possibly hold you back from thinking Philip Rivers is going to have a great season is that the, I do also think that that defense is just fantastic. I have that defense pegged as a, a top five defense this year. And um, I, I really, they may not have to chuck it all over the yard every game like they have in the past. That would be the only thing that would hold me back. That's awesome. And Goody, are you going to hop in on this like uh, Chargers love, or are you going to throw us a different direction for to give our listeners somewhere else that they can look to mine some fantasy gold this, for this upcoming season? I'll certainly agree with Tim on the Chargers defense, especially against the um, AFC West. Um, I, another guy I like on the Chargers, who I think is kind of sneaky, actually goes against the Melvin Gordon thing is Austin Ekeler. I just think he he has a you know the potential to you know be a home home run type guy. You know, kind of like in a Tevin Coleman vein, may not get that much volume, but you know has the ability to catch the ball and, and take it to the house on any given play. So I think the Fal- I think the Falcons excelled in that in the past. In terms of any teams I'm particularly intrigued by from a fantasy perspective, um, I mean, you know, the triumvirate of the Vikings, obviously, that's top-heavy. So, like, you know, that, that, that that's obvious. I think that I, hmm, that's, a, that's a really tough question. I, I mean, I personally, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say it. I'll, I'm going to go against the grain a little bit here. I'll say, I'm going to say two teams, and I, I think a lot of it may be on game script. I mean – one, I'm actually going to say my Browns because I, I just want to see how this all unfolds. You know, I, I don't know that I trust any of these guys from like a fantasy this year perspective other than, you know, maybe Landry. I kind of loved what he brought to Hard Knocks the other day. Um, you know, I mean, Josh Gordon, obviously, if he if he comes in, if they get Dez, like it's a pretty solid receiving core. They have good running backs. The line is, you know, st- still a work in progress, but I think the game scripts still could set up for for that passing offense to be good, and and if they're if that team's better than we think, then I think there's a lot of potential for scoring from the running game. So, but I guess to answer the question, I think I'm, I'm going to say the, the the Buccaneers actually, and you know I know I know I just traded Mike Evans. I I think Mike Evans will have a bounce back here in some capacity. I think he'll you know he he'll work on kind of more yards after catch. He, I think he has some touchdown regression coming, but. I mean, I, I really like what their other receivers actually and their tight end options and the fact – I don't – like Peyton Barber I think will be a serviceable running back. I really am not high on Ronald Jones. I, I haven't been. But 
I think that that team is going to be playing from behind a lot, and I think that's been a narrative in that division with the Falcons, the Saints, and, and the Panthers as well. So, I, I mean, I really, you know, obviously we, we grabbed him in this in this All About Reality podcast league, but I, I like Chris Godwin a lot. Like you said, like, you know, arguably maybe has more talent than Mike Evans even, who just got the big contract. Um, I mean, Deshaun, if you take Deshaun Jackson and put him in the slot where he's – He's not facing press coverage. I, I think he could. I mean, he's still lightning fast if he's healthy. I, I mean, even if you put Adam Humphreys there as the possession guy, I, and then you have Brayton and OJ Howard. I mean, there's there's just a lot a lot of weapons there, especially a team that's probably gonna be chucking it a lot. And so, so I think that that's one that you know, especially on a game script thing, you know, you know, sometimes like I take the tact. Oh, you want to have shares of guys in on quote-unquote good teams and good offenses. But, like, I, I think at the same time, these guys are going to rack up a lot of garbage points too. Yeah, it just remains to be seen if Fitzpatrick can can do what he's done in other places and carry uh, that offense for a little while. And whether or not Jameis Winston is the kind of player that we could all invest in moving forward as our SOGMs. But, Tim, I can't thank you enough for coming on the program. It's been really cool from the other perspective, just a couple episodes removed from being a fan and a writer for, for reality sports online to have guys like you who are investing of your time and, and listening to us, it really means, means the world. And um, you've been listening. So, you know, there's a question coming your direction as we, as we kind of wrap up here. So Tim, I have to ask you like sitting up there in Calgary, like if you could create some kind of fantasy game for people around anything in this world, other than football, what kind of fantasy game would you create for people to draw people together and build community around what kind of leisurely activity? Wow. I would say I, the sicko in me would say I would create a, some sort of fantasy game where you could actually bet on people exercising in your community and how long they get to exercise before they suffer injury. I'm almost 50 now. I'm at that point where I, I go for a walk around the block. I'm pulling a hamstring. I just, I would create some sort of league where we were gambling. You, you know, you'd be picking your athletes in the local neighborhood. Okay, how long till Joe over there uh, twists an ankle or, or Susie uh, strains her hip? That, that's what I would do. <laughs> that is one of the better answers that I've heard. That is pretty hilarious, actually. <laughs> that is a good answer. And since the healthcare is free up there, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fitting. At least they get tended to properly, correctly, and quickly, right? Exactly. It's less cruel when you know they're well taken care of. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but down here, down here, I would just have to keep playing the Jarvis Landry clip, just pretending that I'm not injured. Like, all right, I'll go out there, Jarvis. I'm in. I'm in. Like, she's going back out. Like, so. Yeah. All right, Goody, any closing thoughts from you as we ra- we wrap up this time with Tim? And, uh, yeah. Tim, where, and just so, like, for those people that you've done a great job of quitting yourself here, where can people find you if they want to go hear your thoughts, your musings, your, your casting yourself out existentially into the world? I, I am on Twitter at, uh, at Tim's Fantasy Life. So I am on there uh, always. I, I am, I'm actually – I'm only on Twitter to uh, – to follow a great uh, fantasy football minds, really. And then, of course, like everybody else, I get caught up in the rest of the junk. But but I'm on there specifically to follow all of the great fantasy material that you can find on there. Very good. And Giddy, how about you? Like I said, any closing thoughts for us to bring us home tonight? Um, 
Well, I actually want Tim to give a closing thought. We've kind of let him off the hook. I, I, while we have him on, I kind of want to have him assess our team. I mean, Miss, Mr. Cleveland gave us the D plus, and and I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm wondering if if Tim is a little more forgiving than that. So kind of now that he's heard that, like I'm a little f- more familiar with the scoring system and whatever else. Like I, I, I'm curious what Tim thinks about our squad. All right. Well. Let's uh, let's look at the uh, your team rea- team reality check. Uh, you know Drew Brees, like obviously nothing but love for Drew Brees, Hall of Famer, fantastic. Yeah, you guys got him at a great price. Uh, nothing but love there. Obviously having you know Nathan Peterman and Landry Jones after that in a super flex league, huge hole. Uh, you're running this. I'm a big Christian McCaffrey fan. I don't mind that you're paying him you know 26 million per season. But uh, after that, it is, well, I guess you do have Aaron Jones as well. Uh, Aaron Jones. But if Aaron Jones doesn't come through, I, I do have some concerns. I'm not a Bilal Powell fan, so I guess that's probably why I'm uh, down on your running back situation. Your wide receivers, though, are loaded. I mean, you guys clearly targeted wide receivers. Uh, you got you know, starting three receivers that I absolutely love in Godwin, Keenan Allen, and Diggs. Uh, you know, starting those guys week in, week out. I, just love it. You can't go wrong. Maybe, maybe the best receiving core in the league. Uh, and then, um, you know, Quincy and Nunwa backing them up. Um, Richard Matthews. I was actually very high on Richard Matthews coming into the season. But uh, now with this mysterious injury, I uh, don't know. Quincy and Nunwa, uh, another guy, I, you know, maybe he has another 800-yard season in him. I, I thought he was great before he got injured. So, I'm, you know, Frank Gore, who, what the heck is going on in Miami with Frank Gore? What is going on? Who is, like, are they really going to play this fossil at running back? Like, don't do it to me. I was like, Kenyon Drake owner, do not do this to me. And, uh, I, you know, at, uh, at tight end, you got Zach. It's fantastic. So uh, it, it's a 16 team league depth for every team is an issue. So, uh, your starters are, Okay, I do think that missing that's not having a second quarterback to put in that super flex spot. Um, and then, I mean, you don't also, I mean, you really don't have a top flight running back uh, or wide receiver to put in that, uh, that spot either. So I do think you're one player short right now of competing. I think that's a generous assessment and a great inflation. I think we're a few players short of competing, but uh, like nonetheless. Well, that's what um, the thirteen and a half million we have left is. Yeah, and, for sure. and I think to answer your question, Tim, I think that Frank Gore's just hanging out on the set of ballers down in Miami and hanging with the Rock and you know Ricky Jarrett and all those guys, and you know hoping maybe GM Charles Green will get him out in LA or something. Yeah. And also, Tim, like your your Kenyon Drake love caught a little wind in its sails today. I don't know if you saw, but one of his teammates was cut because he elbowed him during a fight at practice. So they they clearly have some respect for Kenyon Drake, and they're trying to put him in bubble wrap a little bit. So they have plans for him. Don't mess with Drake. I love it. Yep. Yep. So um, awesome, man. Though, thank you for that. And uh, certainly, we're going to bring guys on from the listeners' league throughout the course of the season. Um, for those of you who have been faithfully with us for these first initial episodes, a lot of content is dropping on you. We have the the Founders podcast coming out. We have this podcast. You can go back and look at this Listener's League and, and see um, both on YouTube Live and on the Twitter feed um, the the rehash and the, the live commentary as that draft developed. Um, 
And Goody, I think we should continue to push. We've gotten some great ratings and reviews, and I can't thank everybody enough who's been dropping those uh, on whatever platform and whatever place you listen to us. So keep those ratings and reviews coming. We're going to continue to work to get better for you. And I've certainly been invigorated by the commitment of our owners and founders of the league in Matt and Steven. You'll hear more from them as well. Um, but for guys like you and I and Tim, like this platform is giving us a chance to, to rap about football in the middle of summer. So I'm super grateful for that. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's been a fun ride. I mean, we're, we're, you know, double digit episodes in and, and I think it, the good thing is I feel like they've all been unique. I mean, they may get a little harder once the season starts to do that, but I, I still feel like we haven't scratched the surface on a bunch of topics yet. So, um, you know, with that, I, I will, sign off and you can find me on twitter at matt goody too my venerable co-host luke can be found at fantasy doc doc d-o-c-o-c keep coming to us with your questions keep uh keep those comments coming and we really appreciate you tim coming on tonight uh look to look to the future for those trades and let's get this league fired up and make it all can be so that's it for us from the USA, from the East Coast, from the West Coast, from Canada. We are signing out. It's been another episode of All About Reality.